0: So when you're doing the interview process, you may have to pass on some people who may have the skill sets, right? But don't necessarily have the ownership mentality that you are going to need in your first few hires. Hi, welcome to another episode of Bhaktari MD. And this season, we're going to be doing Crash CEO School, where we teach you and go over strategies to make your business grow and make you a better leader. In today's episode, I want to talk about something that everybody has to face when they start their business, which is how to survive their first year in business. Now, I'm not gonna cover the standard stuff like make sure you don't run out of cash, make sure you have a good business plan, make sure you have a good business that you're picking because we've covered some of that before. I wanna talk about just general tactics that everyone has to do, assuming you've picked the right business, assuming you're not going to run out of cash, assuming you have a great idea, uh, and assuming you're the right person for it. But still, there are certain things you need to know about that first year. It's almost like having a baby. Nobody knows what that first year is like until you go through it, read all you want, and have some ideas. But that first year of being a parent, for example, is unique. You realize how much your life has changed. You realize there's responsibilities. You can't do maybe everything you thought you could do, um, you know, in your uh, time off. Maybe you realize you wouldn't have that much time off. It's always different than what you think. So, I can't necessarily kind of make you experience it because you have to go through it yourself, but to the best I can, I want to prepare you for some challenges that that first year will present. Again, not including running out of cash or having a bad idea or having too much competition or not having a good business plan to execute. We're assuming you have all that but there's still some other things you really need to know. So the first challenge that I think very few people will talk about, and I think you're probably gonna hear it in this channel for the first time, is your first year, or maybe longer, is a period that's unique. And, and, And how it's unique is that often, the people you bring on board in that first year will have no redundancy. And there's something I mean very specific. Often in the first year of a life of a business, the positions that are created, there is no redundancy. You know, if you go to a business that's been around for 10, 15 years, you go to the marketing department, there's 10 people in the marketing department. There's 20 people in the uh, HR department. There's 10, you know, and so if anything happens to any one person, there's resiliencies, there's redundancy, but almost by definition, the first year of a business, You often don't have much redundancy in the positions and in the roles. And that is going to be really different for you because often that first year you're trying to build culture, you're trying to build a standard. And sometimes if you don't really understand it, it becomes challenging to create culture, to, you know, write run the business the way you want to when most of the positions that you have in your small organization there is no redundancy and the best example i can give of that is imagine you had you know 20 accountants in your accounting department and there was this one accountant who was coming to work every day late the quality of work wasn't up to snuff blah 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 well you decide to have a conversation you know you want to maybe coach this person mentor them and and what have you. Well, that conversation that you're gonna have with the 20th accountant in your accounting department is not going to be the exact conversation you're going to have if that person was the only accountant in your accounting department. Some people might argue, well, that's not true. But on some level, it can't always be the same. When you have one person in your organization, which is running all the marketing, or you have one person, but they're not doing it the way you want, can you be frank with them? Can you coach them? Can you mentor them in the same way as if you had 20 people in the marketing department? And, you know, some people will give me blowback. Yes, oh, yeah, I'm the same way. But you got to think about it. When someone is your only person that first year in the marketing department, you just can't talk to them the same way. I'm not saying don't be professional, don't be direct. But still, you know, you have to calibrate and calculate, you know, what happens if even if I said professionally and nicely, maybe I'm right on all the points. Maybe they're not going to like what I have to say. And maybe they'll just pick up and leave it. And potentially, if, if literally, if there is no way to duplicate what they're doing with other people, unless, of course, it's you, but for now, just just the more it can't be you or the more, yes, it'll be you, but it'll be so much brain damage to do it, you, you, it will alter how you pre- serve up this information, just human nature being what it is. And I'm not saying you're not going to say something that isn't true or whatever, but you're certainly going to serve it up in a way that, uh, and you're also going to, you know, gradually maybe bring it up, say, well, you know, you know, your last few reports, I see some areas of improvement, but whereas let's say the reports were really way off the mark, it's going to be hard for you to be super direct. You're going to in theory, have to dance around, you know, dance on eggshells and walk on eggshells to make sure you communicate what you want, but don't really go too far and, you know, like make sure you sandwich a compliment between the criticism just so you make sure nothing bad happens. So this is a common problem when people in their first year or two sometimes in business, because they often hire that first group of people and there is no redundancy. You know, If this person leaves, yes, maybe the business will survive, but it's not going to be fun. Not going to be fun at all, theoretically. And it's interesting, the more the person is needed and the less redundancy there is, I think it's human nature to be less critical, even in a constructive mentoring manner. And then this creates another problem because somewhere down the line where there is so re- there is redundancy and now all of a sudden you can be a little more direct— you know, that's not, that may have its own problems because, you know, if you didn't lay down the sort of the expectations early on and now halfway through the game, you're like changing the expectations – a lot of people are going to be thrown off by that. It's sort of like changing the rules of the basketball game at halftime where the ref comes in the locker room and says, okay, moving forward, you know, uh, all three-point shots will be four points and all layups will be one point. For a lot of people, it's unsettling to change the rules in the middle of the game. And so if you've gone the first year or two where you're like, we're okay with that, yeah, okay, you know, um, just – person's quality of work is okay not great they're not killing it but you know for now they're the only person that can do it so we're not going to say anything with the irony of it of course is when you have super redundancy you're actually more likely to be able to mentor people in a positive way because you can be direct yes and yes are there people who may not tolerate it maybe but then there are a lot of others who will appreciate you being super direct you you just couldn't afford to take that chance when there was no redundancy. But when there's redundancy, since you can take the chance, often you actually have a great outcome because people get it. A lot of people say, oh, wow, okay, I really see how I could improve. The problem is, yes, nine out of ten times they'll respond positively. But if that person is so needed, you can't even take that 10% chance that that conversation couldn't, will not go well if that makes sense. So you have to calibrate how you talk to these people. So this whole idea that a business goes through an era of non-redundancy is something that I think if you're talking to most business owners like I have, they know it. I. I don't think they knew that's what it was. They just knew that the first year they were like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot," you know. I, if I lose my my marketing person, if I lose my HR person, if I lose uh, my developer, if I, whatever, they instinctually know it, but I don't know if they realize it. And what you'll see is one of the benefits of growing and expanding your business, right? People say, shall I open up two, three locations? There are a lot of risk, and there is. But the more locations you open up, the bigger your HR department is, the bigger your marketing department is. Of course, not unnecessarily, but in general, the bigger everything is, the more people you have. You may have other problems like cash flow to pay for all those people, so your revenue's got to match that. But on this thing of redundancy, the more your company grows, the less of an issue this will be, Right. The more you grow, uh, the more successful you are. The more accounts you get, the more customers you have. The more p- salespeople you hire. You know, imagine doing sales training with only one person. As you know, how much can you really? You know, cr- how much critical feedback can you give your sales staff of one? Right. But if you have 20 people in your sales department and one person really needs constructive feedback, it's going to be so much easier to give that constructive feedback because there's 19 other salespeople. So you can just be direct, honest, professional, nice. And yes, there's a chance they won't take it well, but there is also a great chance that they'll really appreciate it. But now you can at least you know, for it to take the chance, right? Because, okay, 10%, they don't take it well. I, I'm i okay with that. You may not be okay with that when they're, when they're your only salesperson. So now we want to talk about really what strategies you can use to deal with this first year or the, I call it the era of non-redundancy. I don't think anything's going to necessarily make that era go away, but there are certain strategies you can use to mitigate some of this, if if you get where I'm going with that. So the first thing is hiring. You have to, especially early on, your first three, four, five hires have to be people who are not just going from one job to another and expect to clock in and clock out. You have to hire for ownership. I've done some other videos that you can look at about what it means to hire for ownership, what it means to find an owner. On your 100th employee, it won't be that critical to hire for ownership, that ownership mentality. But I promise you, in your first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, it will be critical So when you're doing the interview process, you may have to pass on some people who may have the skill sets, right, but don't necessarily have the ownership mentality that you are going to need in your first few hires. But interviewing for ownership is so critical your first year. You screw this one up and you just interview your first five employees are clocking in and out. I'm not saying your business is going to fail, but I will say it will minimize your chances for success. I mean, look, let's be honest. Two people have the same start the same company, and person A, the first five hires are 100% owners and 100% bought in, and you know, company B, the first five hires are people who are clocking in and out, and it's just a job for them. Let's be honest. Which company is more likely to succeed? everything else being equal, right? If everything else is equal, obviously the first company with the all-in people. And this doesn't mean these uh, your staff's gonna be working more than 40 hours a week. But within working 40 hours a week, if they're all committed and they're all in, you're simply, by definition, going to have more, more chances of succeeding. And then next thing is within that group, you have to really identify a strong second-in-command. What, and you know, usually when a company is small, there's no title for that, right? But you just need someone because the whole idea of having someone who's a good second in command is you can't think of everything and you need more than yourself as a fail-safe. You know, they say the buck stops with you, right? But in theory, if there was one, two, three, four more people as your company grows, that the buck also stops with them. And you may miss something, but as you develop more leaders in your organizations, they will catch what you're missing. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a failure or a success. But all things being equal, if more people are catching things that fall through the cracks, the more likely your company to, is to be successful, right? So you really need to develop the second, third, and fourth person as you're going through this period, uh, especially in this period of non-redundancy to help you because you're only, you're human, you're only one person, you're only awake, you know, 16 hours a day, you can't catch everything, okay? You can't see what fell through the cracks. And if you have other people looking for you as well as you, it's statistically going to increase your chance of your company being successful, if that makes sense. Next thing I want to tell you is learn every position, when you have no redundancy, you know, if the if the chef quits, you better know every recipe, right, metaphorically. You know, maybe later on when you're the CEO of 500 employees or 100 employees, okay, maybe you know nothing about what's going on in the marketing department, maybe. Just get the reports, whatever. But I promise you in your first year when there's no redundancy, you better be as good as marketer as the person you're hiring. You better know as much as they know. You better know the software as well as they do. Uh, because in a pinch, you may be the marketer. And And the more you know you could step in, I think the more freedom you're going to have to have honest conversations, to mentor, to construct, give constructive input when you're not worried in theory. Like the worst case scenario, I could step in and, you know, handle the software for a few weeks until we find a replacement. So really learn every position during this period of non-redundancy. Well, the last one is the one that I think is going to be t- toughest because if you're really going to start your own business, you better be prepared for this. And that is, you know, be prepared to work all the time. I don't mean, you know, every minute of every day, but that year is not the year to p- take up new hobbies You know, all of a sudden have work life balance. Uh, I think, you know, work life balance is a good thing after you haven't had it, especially if it's your business. So don't have work life balance. By the way, if this turns you off, turn off the video at this point. I'm talking to only a certain group of people who get what I'm saying because the facts are the facts. If you're on all the time and you're working all the time versus someone who isn't and they're the leader, they're the owner of the company, just Who's more likely to succeed? The guy who's working all the time. So if you need you know, four, six, eight weeks of vacation every year, I don't think the first year of your business is the year to do that. And that's, there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation, long vacation, many vacations. There's nothing wrong with picking up new hobbies, playing more golf, doing that. You know, that shouldn't be the year you're launching your business, right? It just kind of makes sense. So if you're a stage in your life where you need to do some of that stuff, there's nothing wrong with it then you may you know, maybe reconsider the timing of launching your business because the, the, you're more likely to succeed if you're working all the time, and if you know what I mean by that. And honestly, that's probably why a lot of people don't start a business and, because that part of it doesn't appeal to a lot of people, even for a year or two. But I want to be honest with you we're just talking we're not saying you have to or you don't have to we're saying it's more it's going to make your business more likely to succeed all things being equal if that makes sense Okay, so I think this wraps up. Of course, there's many, many more, but I wanted to give you the gist of this first year, the non-redundancy period, and what it's going to take to increase your chances of getting to your second or third year. Okay, if you like this uh, content, please comment, like, and subscribe. I tell you, uh, it really means a lot to us. If you like our content, if you comment, and if you subscribe, it helps us create more comments and also lets us know what kind of content content you like and what we should do more of. So thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Be well.